and you don't have to worry about him not having enough to give you everything that you need and to meet the need of every person in this building or in this town or in this world because he can and he is able and all you have to do is step out. God is mighty. I don't even have words. So I tell you what, let's look at his. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans 13 and have queued up verses 11 through 12. You can continue for a moment. That's fine, thank you. And also, when you have that, thumb back or forward or wherever to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 2 as well. And while you're doing that, let me just say... It's an honor to be a part of this church. It's an honor to be a part of this family. And I don't just mean the Heil family, I mean you. You are my family too. And I just wanna say thank you. Thank you to God for keeping me alive all these years. Thank you to our, my pastor back home for his investment in me, my pastor here, my father-in-law, my wife. And to every one of you, both in person and online, yes, I'm talking to you, Joe, and Teresa, and anybody else who might be watching right now. We love you, we miss you, and we wish you were here. But we're glad you can chime in. Today's message isn't going to be anything you haven't heard before. What my pastor back home calls steak and taters. Simple, to the point, but food for the soul. And I believe that God is going to speak to us this morning. Let's read Romans 13, verses 11 through 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it may be different than what you see on screen or what you have in your Bible, but that's fine. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. And going down to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2 says, And God's partners, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this miraculous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You can put your Bibles down. If you will preach with me for this, this morning, I want to speak to us and challenge us just for the next few moments on this topic. It's time for a change. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. You have already shown yourself mighty to us in this building. You have received and been blessed, we hope, by our worship. And we ask God that you would speak to us through your word, that you would challenge us with your word, and that you would grow us through the knowledge and understanding that's imparted here. And God, we ask that you would move on us through the rest of the service, have your way in our lives, and don't let us leave the same way that we walked in. 
We give you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Maestro. Today is time change day. Woohoo! Extra hour of sleep. I woke up at like 6.30 and I was like, man, I kind of feel like I need to be up. But then I looked at the clock and it was 6.30 and I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> I should still get up. <laughs> Just kidding. Time change day, though, means that each of you have benefited from an extra hour of sleep. So I expect more than 100% of your attention today. And that goes for you online, too. I know I can't hear you through that camera, but I feel like I can just feel the spirit of Joe laughing right now, and I just appreciate <laughs> Levi and all that. I'm so glad that we have such an adaptable team here at our church that we can jump on tasks like this for our saints that are not able to be here. So thank you to Zachary and Carissa for your hard work and these kinds of things. It doesn't go unnoticed. It really doesn't. I have always found daylight saving time to be an interesting, if ridiculous, construct. And I've always had trouble rationalizing this. Let me tell you what's going to happen today. Before I, I'm going to pause right there. I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to rant a bit. We're going to read some scriptures. We're going to chat a little while. And then we're going to pray. So just hedging your expectations for this service. Just, just be aware. So I've always had trouble rationalizing daylight saving time, right? Why do we set the clock forward to then just set it back again? Why not find a happy medium and set it like a half hour forward or backward or whatever and then just call it good, get the best of both worlds, you know what I'm saying? Or if you happen to be one of those of us who like the longer days in summer, why not just set the clock forward and leave it there? What a novel idea is that? In some of my research, I found that this practice was designed to move the clock forward to allow better access to daylight hours earlier in the day, which makes perfect sense to me. Why would you, if, the, if, daylight, <laughs> if daylight is beginning at 4.30 a.m. and nobody's going to wake up and go to work until 5.30 a.m., why wouldn't you shift <clears throat> the clock backward to accommodate and use that good hour, extra hour of daylight, right? That makes perfect sense. It's just the, the setting back part. That makes me just like, why? Why? The setting back, according to my research, is to realign our clocks with standard time. But if standard time is able to be moved around so willy-nilly like that, is it really so sacred that we have to go back to it all the time? Let's just stay moved forward. Problem solved, right? That way we at least don't have to worry about the pain of losing another hour of sleep so precious sleep right before summer begins, right? Then again, perhaps for all of us Chris, Christmas fanatics, perhaps we could shift our perception to, the, to accommodate the idea of this fallback being intended to give us earlier access to all the pretty Christmas lights for a longer period of time before bedtime. Any Christmas lovers in the household? Amen. All right. I guess it's kind of all in how you look at it, your perception of it, which is a completely different message in itself. And I already promised myself that I wouldn't do a two-for-one today, so I'm going to stop right there. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming. Just kidding. This practice of this time adjustment debacle began in 1908 in Canada, of course. They're too polite to say, let's just turn the clocks back. No, I'm just kidding. It began in Canada, and it was later adopted by several different countries throughout the First World War. 
under the auspices that it would reduce energy consumption due to the lack of need for light and heat. Makes sense, right? Really, if you want to boil it down, get back down to the real root of it, it actually was even started or proposed earlier than that. Benjamin Franklin published the proverb, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man what? Healthy, wealthy, and wise. If you haven't heard that, it's great knowledge. And, in, and he also, with this proverb, he also published a letter to the journal uh, De Paris during his time as, as, the, as an American envoy to France. In his letter, this is, this is going to, oh man, you guys don't even know what's about to happen. In his letter, he suggested that Parisians economize on candle consumption and use by rising earlier to use morning sunlight. Makes perfect sense. Though he wasn't necessarily advocating for what we now call daylight saving time, this letter in 1784, it was satire, and it did propose such things as tax on window shutters. I don't know if you heard what I said there, but if you shut your window shutters to block out daylight, you got to cough up the dough. Rationing candles so that nobody has more candles than they really need to get through the darkest hours, right? And my favorite one, waking the public by ringing church bells and firing cannons at sunrise. Now, (laughs) aren't you glad old Benny didn't get his way, was just joshing us with that one, whenever he came up with that. I mean, some of us don't even succeed at getting out of bed with a regular alarm clock. You know what I'm saying? Or the the old rattly phone ringing tone or whatever you have. Some of us don't even succeed at getting out of bed with that. But maybe perhaps we would have been better affected by a cannon blast as a wake-up call. But then there's the rest of the world that would probably die of a heart attack if the first thing they heard when they woke up was an explosion. Whoo! I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I have high blood pressure already. I don't want to tempt fate. So, several countries put this practice in place. Eventually, even the United States uh, adopted it. And then, this is what's crazy, in the, in the research, there's maps, right? You can look at maps that show the adoption of this policy, or this practice. You can show some that currently use it, have some variation of it have used it at one point and no longer do, or never did to begin with, which is like 99% of the world, right? Um, Then adoption comes at different places and for different reasons during the First World War, and then many of those countries, and even some states in the U.S., would abandon this practice with the revelation that the energy consumption savings had almost no effect. The whole point has no, no effect, right? Especially considering that those energy-saving efforts were kind of moot when you look at the fact that culturally we shifted away from jobs, the prominence of jobs that require daylight to be effective. I mean, farming is still a huge part of our culture, yes. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the lion's share of people working, right? We have 350, 390, whatever million people in the country How many farmers are there in that bunch? I don't know. I didn't do that research. You look it up. (laughs) It's kind of funny, too. I was doing this research, and I I realized as as I'm researching this that we're kind of in a similar predicament, right, where there's, instead instead of a systematic changing of the clocks to accommodate daylight and the usage thereof, 
we're in this shift of what's considered a workspace, right? Having this revelation, perhaps, that what is best for individual productivity may not necessarily be all of your employees crammed into an office building for eight hours a day, seven days a week, right? And that perhaps it might be best for individual productivity to be able to give them the opportunity to work from home. Though, I will say, both carry their own pros and cons. Side note, that's free, that's extra, just a, just a little, you know, you don't have to pay me for that one. You don't have to pay me for any of this, really, other than just thanks. So I stand up here today in my right mind and with an extra hour of sleep under my belt, and I propose this. I think it's time for a change. <laughs> I know there was a while ago that Illinois was actually talking about dissolving or doing away with the, the daylight saving time. And I was all about it. I was like, yes, we don't have to worry about this stupid thing anymore. Like, ah, I don't have to worry about possibly being an hour late or being an hour early. Or I can just live. I can live my life. And then it just didn't happen. Whatever. No big deal. Just all dissolved and fell apart. <laughs> I think it's time for a change, though. You see what I did there? Time change. It's time for a change. You get it? You get it? Huh? Huh? This is why they pay me the big bucks, you guys. I don't know if you realize this or not. This is it. This is the reason. Let's turn in our Bibles again to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to read the first eight verses together. And while you turn there, let me say this. I love how God works with time. We have an example in the Bible. It might be one. It might, there might be others that I just don't know about. But an example of the time where God paused the moving of the sun for a period of time to allow Israel to defeat the Amorites. You can look it up, I, I promise. Chapter 10 of Joshua, the book of Joshua. And I suppose, with this revelation, that the argument could be made that God actually was the inventor of time change, of the, of the daylight saving, because he was literally saving daylight so they could win. Huh? Anybody? Anybody? All right, you know what? Let's just read Ecclesiastes 3. No, I, I, I just find it interesting because it's always been funny to me that God, somebody who exists outside of and is not bound by time, recognizes that we are, right? And in his infinitude, he teaches us on a level that we can comprehend. He teaches, and that's what we're going to read here in a second. He teaches us about time from a perspective of somebody who's not bound by it, but with a recollection that the people he's teaching are. Check this out. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under, this, under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to harvest. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. Let me read that one again. Some of us might need to hear that. Maybe me more than anybody. A time to keep quiet <laughs> and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Tell me God doesn't love his children and doesn't have patience with our limitations as time-bound creatures. 
I have never in my life had such a revelation of the patience of God than I did in reading and studying for this message. He deals with us, and we're bound by time, and we're, you know, he's, but he teaches us, and we're like stupid little children. <laughs> we're like really intelligent little children that just think we know everything, but he's, he knows more than we do, right? Tell me what this is, if not love. Parents in the room will recognize this for what it is, the, uh, the experience of explaining something to a child whose mental construct isn't fully developed enough, but yet they still ask why. And a being who lives outside of time, who can see all of time at a glance, who quite literally is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, this God chooses to deal with us in our incredible ignorance that we often pair with unmitigated arrogance, chooses to teach us that inside the construct of time wherein we live, there is a time for everything. And today is still teaching us that there is a time for change. I say all this about daylight saving time, and I say it perhaps as a joke and as a, as a laugh, but with this comical and ridiculous train of thought comes a bit of a spiritual revelation. Much the same way that with daylight saving time, it may be time for a change. If we do any significant self-reflection, we might begin to see in our spiritual lives and then each, inside each and every one of us that it's also, there's time for change. It's time for a change. Do I mean that your outfits are just not happening today and that you need to go home and change before you come back to church? No. You're all beautiful, except Allison, who's the most beautiful. It's true. <laughs> Do I mean that the church should change, as, a, as the church, we should change our message to better take advantage of culture? Absolutely not. What I do mean, however, is that if you have not repented for your sin, asked God to forgive you, and turned your life toward him, it's time for a change. If you haven't been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, it's time for a change. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, initially evidenced by speaking in another language, it's time for a change. If you haven't been able to let go of the past that's haunted you for years and held you back from a deeper relationship with God, it's time for a change. If you haven't been if you've been letting life work, personal ambition or anything else keep you in a cycle of waiting for the right time to commit your life to God, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. Here's the deal. I've got a page and a half of notes left. So if you want to come, you can. <sighs> Man, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just capitalizing on that reputation of short wind, am I, aren't I? Here's the deal. We read already in 2 Corinthians, it says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you guys see or perceive. I don't know about anybody else in this room. But God, 
I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but God is making changes right here. He is inspiring people to make changes in their lives, in their relationships with him. People are committing to a life with Christ. People are growing more faithful in their time. They're growing more faithful in their willingness to trust God with their finances. People are making changes. Josh, Angel, Dom, Jordan, Jackson, you guys recognized that it was time for a change. And what did you do? You stepped out and you did it. You seized the moment. Marcos and Nessie, you guys are agents of change in the house of God because you followed the word and were baptized in Jesus' name. And I know Chloe's here still, right? Oh, Chloe, I see you back there. I couldn't see you over the monitor. Chloe and, and Bailey, who's not also, she's not here, but you guys are both at the forefront of change in this church because you stepped out on faith and committed in baptism to a deeper relationship with Jesus. Here's the deal. It's time for a change. And the best news for you is that you don't have to feel like you are responsible for making the first step alone. That was like, it's always been the hardest part for me of stepping out on faith. What if I have to do this alone? What if I'm the first one? What are people going to think of me if I step out and I'm the only one out there? Here's the deal. You are not alone. Change is happening all around you. So stepping out should be a little bit easier when you recognize the fact that you are just stepping in with good company in this pursuit of this change. If this message, however short it may be, is from the Lord, and I believe that it is. It boils down to this. It is time for a change. Do not wait. I'm going to say that again. Do not wait. I'm not going to say it as a command. I'm going to say it as an honest implorement. Please, do not wait. The time is now. Mark chapter 13 verses 32 through 33 says, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father. And since you do not know what that time, when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. Listen, if you don't think that we are living in the last days, you are sadly deceived, my friends. And that should not scare you. That should embolden you because there are so many people in this world that you are connected to that I can't reach, that Pastor Heil can't reach. There are so many people in this world that need a chance to surrender their lives to God. Whether they take it or not, that's their choice. It's Their eternity is in their hands, but they need a chance, and you are that person. And here's the, re here's the reality. None of us know, We none of us have any assurances where we're at. And the the whole point of salvation is that you continually pursue God. Not because if I do this, I'm guaranteed to make it. So I'm going to focus on this till I get there. No, I do everything that I can because I love my maker. 
and I want to be there with him. And if this is what I have to do to get there, you better believe I'm going to do it. You better believe I'm going to share it. You better believe I'm going to work hard to be the best and most appeasing person, a child of God that I can be because I don't want to miss that chance. Let's stand together today. I'm done. The facts are these, Truth Tabernacle. It's time for a change. So these altars are open. If you feel so led to come down and make a change, do that now. Don't wait. Because the reality is, is we are not promised tomorrow. I don't want to be morbid. I don't want to scare anybody. I don't, it's not a scared straight situation. Realize we're not even promised five minutes from now when we walk out that door. So don't wait for the opportunity to make a change in your life. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, come down and seek it today because it's time for a change. If you haven't been baptized, we can baptize you today. It's time for a change. It might be a little cold, but I'd be a whole lot happier knowing that I'm closer to heaven if I'm shivering a bit than be perfectly content and warm and have no idea. If you haven't asked for God's forgiveness, repented from your sins, repent now. It's time for a change, church. It's time for a change.